are now listening to. Let's talk about something that we have not discussed much this offseason, and let's talk Auburn recruiting. Now, before we get into it, I know guys will definitely have questions for us. We can definitely give our opinions about recruiting, but we're going to structure this conversation in such a unique way, guys. We kind of kind of talk high level in terms of what this coaching staff needs to do in terms of landing a class that fits its needs and, and get the talent that they need. Uh, we don't cover recruiting in depth as other sites. Uh, a lot of these people actually have conversations with recruits. We're not really on ground level, so we can't give you that intel. But what we would like to do in the upcoming live this week is have someone on from AuburnSports.com that actually is on the ground speaking to recruits, getting some of the insight that you guys are curious about so that we can kind of get some of your questions answered. But we just want to talk a little high level just to give you a bit of insight in terms of what's been happening with Auburn. There are a few guys who are interested, even though Auburn only has two commitments as of now. There are a lot of guys who's been on campus, whether it's been on unofficial visits, official visits, and they've given high marks for Auburn. Now, of course, we have conditioned ourselves to not get excited about that until the ink is on that LOI. That's yeah, really right. that's really all we ultimately that's what, care that's about. What it is. But I, I think it's encouraging to see that that Auburn has been really this coaching staff has been really aggressive in trying to take advantage of the 2023 class within our state, uh, as well as guys in surrounding areas, getting them on campus, getting them exposed to the coaching staff and what they what they can expect to 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 do at Auburn. So that's been very good to hear, encouraging news. And because of that, there's been a few guys. I'll mention a few names: four-star uh, running back Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, out of Montgomery Catholic is uh, a running back Auburn really wants. Uh, schools like Tennessee, Clemson are after him. He appears to be an Auburn lean as of now, uh, but we'll definitely keep an eye on him. You have four-star wide receiver Carmelo English, who's out of Central Phoenix City. Uh, he's also expected to be an Auburn lean, but there's been an interesting story developing as it pertains to four-star QB Brock Glenn. Uh, who's out of the Tennessee area, who Auburn has actually done a good job of evaluating and building a relationship with him very early in the recruiting process. Auburn has kind of gotten in ahead of him uh, prior to other schools taking note or interest of him. And it appeared to be for quite some time he was considered an Auburn lean. His, I think his first name is actually Auburn. Um, he has ties to the Auburn school, and he's pretty much was expected to be heavily favored to Auburn. Well, what's interesting to note is that since some of your blue chip QBs have started to commit, guys like Arch Manning, who recently committed to Texas, those dominoes falling has caused other schools to kind of reevaluate their recruiting board. And now other schools are starting to take notice of this kid since Auburn has built a relationship with him. Schools like Ohio State, Brock Glenn went on a, an official visit a few weeks back and actually it went well. He was expected to actually announce his commitment uh, decision prior to the Elite 11 uh, finals, which begins in actually two days uh, on June 28th. So the expectation was if he commits prior to that, then Auburn 
figures to be in good shape. Well, he has since postponed that decision, which, of course, we know some fans are starting to get uneasy. Some fans are starting to panic, especially since Auburn still has two commitments left. Uh, And also schools are still beginning to, especially with him postponing, schools are trying to get in after him. I think LSU recently offered this kid. So one of the things that I want to kind of talk, not necessarily about what we think will happen with him, but I want to get your thoughts on, you know, there's there's a thought that Auburn needs to to sign a big time QB. Um, I'm going to say big time, but a, a the QB position needs to be an important piece of the recruiting class each and every year because of how interconnected it is with skilled players who are also evaluating where to go to school. I, I want to get your thoughts on, on how important, because we do have, we have upgraded our QB room, but moving forward, even though we have a lot of guys who are transfers in the QB room, how important is it to start getting guys out of high school who are coveted guys? Uh, obviously this coaching staff does a great job of evaluating talent and identifying guys evidenced by schools who are following suit, but how critical is it in terms of building a, uh, a recruiting class that you lock down this QB position first? Treat your boys. Chill boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill boys underwear will help you keep the boys close. Uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's critical. I, I understand. If, I, I think that there's a lot of thought processes around what you need to do with recruiting that are just don't they don't pan out anymore like with the way that nil and the transfer portal currently work um i think the rules around you need to sign this in every class da 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 just don't like roster management is just different now um we've got a lot of eligibility still remaining in our qb room and so if we sign a freshman who comes in and he's really good you, ha- you also have to wonder if that freshman is okay with sitting for a while or what does that do to the guys that are currently in your room? Um, will they be wanting to move out and be like, okay, you guys aren't, you know, like I just don't know what that does to your current quarterback room because none of the guys that are in our quarterback room are guaranteed to go to the NFL next year. Right. Um, like they're going to have to have a stellar, none of these guys are, can't miss NFL prospects this year that you just know they're waiting on. It's not like Tank, right? Tank is just waiting on his junior season to end. He's going to the league, right? right? So the running back room always needs to be replenished at Auburn because you have prospects that look to, in their junior year, make the jump to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. We're not quite in that place yet with our quarterback room. So I don't know about the necessity of signing a freshman QB, considering you have a freshman quarterback on your roster right now in Holden Gariner, who people think is the heir apparent, right? So if you're a freshman coming in this recruiting cycle, you probably aren't seeing the field for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Holden Gariner is going to be a redshirt freshman next year. And then he supposedly takes the reins either next year or the year after that. So that freshman quarterback that you're talking about isn't going to start his freshman year. No big deal. He's not likely going to start his red shirt freshman year. 
also not a huge deal, but if he's not primed to start his redshirt sophomore year, the year that he is first eligible for the NFL draft, that's when you're going to see him start looking elsewhere. So signing that person right now, I don't know what that's as a signal to other skill positions is going to be other than I don't even know if this guy's ever going to play for Auburn. Right. Like you have to look at if you're a skill position player and you're worrying about who's signing in the class with you right now. I don't know that that's what they're looking at. A lot of those guys want to play immediately. They're looking at who's going to be the starter next year. And it's not going to be that freshman quarterback that you came in with. What they want to see is productivity from your team on the field. And so that's the biggest thing that Auburn has to worry about is produce on the field this year. Because, again, you can always go find talent in the transfer portal if you don't land it as a recruit for a freshman. So I don't know that it's necessarily panic button time. I do understand the theory behind you want to get these guys in the same class. Um, I just don't know that quarterback is is the primary need right now. The need right now is to prove you have a competent offense, and that lets other guys come in from the freshman saying, okay, that's a place where I would want to play. Right. Um, so I think it just changes, man, with um, – with, with the way that the transfer portal works right now, what the necessity is in each recruiting class, roster management is just different, in my opinion. B, you're, you're nodding your head in agreement. With what Ike has said then, what should be Auburn's? We know what we can predict how many Auburn fans would react. For sure. Whereas, let's go worst-case scenario. He goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, but what should be Auburn's fans' reaction or thought process in light of what Ike just said? The reaction, if he goes somewhere else, should be, mm, okay. That that's what the reaction should be. We we've been so focused on our lack of of recruitment for not only guys who are highly rated, but guys who are highly rated and actually pan out. We've been terrible at getting guys in who are good prospects and turn into really good players. So. We don't. We shouldn't get too excited about a really high prospect because prospect is not realization. Potential is not actual realization of potential and talent and productivity. So we have to get into the habit of letting this coaching staff identify. And one thing that they do that I think is really, really good, and I don't know how many other places do it, but they don't offer guys until they see guys. They let guys come camp and say, you know what? I like what I saw from you. Here's an offer. You're going to come without an offer. And even if they've been offered and courted by other schools, they don't let that be what sways them into giving a guy an offer. They let a guy come in. They meet his family, talk to him, see him in action in camp and go, there you go. So many of the the players who are announcing that they got Auburn offers after a great camp this weekend, after getting to see Auburn and talking with my family, I'm glad to say I've got an offer. I think that's a very good strategy because what it does is it says you aren't just chasing me. You had to see me. You you saw me. You talked to me and you liked me. And that's what earned me the offer. And they also say earn the offer, which I'm almost positive is language that was dictated to them by the staff saying you earned this offer. You didn't just get an offer. I earned this offer because it sounds like Brian Harson. Um, most other prospects say, oh, well, I got an Auburn offer. Blessed to say I got an offer from some somebody or blessed to say that they offered. They have them. My guess is communicating Say that you earned this because you did earn it. We didn't just give you, watch your tape and give you something. You came here and did something to earn this offer, which is, I think, just a a great note about this staff and how they're recruiting. But we've been so used to, we want stars, we want stars, we want stars. And we know for, for sure, highly rated prospects turn into very, very good players most of the time. 
most of the time. Most of the time. Auburn has not been able to get those type of prospects in the first place. Like five-star guys, we didn't really get a lot of those. Even the last era where we did the best recruiting I think we had ever done under was under Malzahn. It was not under Tommy Tuberville where we turned out the higher percentage of NFL players. It was actually under Malzahn. But it didn't get us the most NFL players. It didn't get us the most productive players. Um, we went over our last couple of draft classes in the last couple of weeks, and we saw that, man, this didn't, this really wasn't working as good as we thought it was. We have to unlearn this idea that, oh, man, he was a four-star. He's going to be, oh, he's a high four-star, and so-and-so won them. It means nothing. I just saw on Twitter today, Devin Barrett was a four-star running back recruit in the class of 2017, maybe? He just transferred to Incarnate Word, Incarnate Word, after leaving Troy, and he didn't get that many snaps at Troy as a cornerback. He transferred to cornerback here because our running back room had better talent in it. Somebody on the staff at the time thought, man, that guy's going to be an awesome running back for us. And recruiting services, likewise, said that guy's going to be a really good running back. High four-star, Tampa, where there was a lot of talent at, at his school or in his area, if I'm not mistaken. It didn't work out. Why were we so invested in uh, a, a guy? Was it just because of the star rating? What was it that our, our staff saw that led them to believe that guy's going to be the next one for us? We had done fairly well in running back recruiting. We had carry-on, which kind of covered a, a few misses as well. Um <sighs> Booby was probably the worst running back we had started here in like 20 years. Yeah. I mean, for the fumbling, he he was he was a good runner. He just couldn't hold on to the ball. I'd say I I wasn't a big DJ Williams fan, man. Like I just didn't think he was all that great at the running back position. He he had one. DJ had run. a moment. DJ yeah. had a moment. And yeah. we hoped we we hoped it was a sign of things to come. Right, but that wasn't like Booby actually went into that season as the starter. Booby was like an, he was he was an athlete, right? He got converted yes. to running back. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did get converted to running back. In You're fairness, right. so. he did. But he also couldn't. His his conditioning was terrible. I remember at the end of of drives, like he had been in for two drives, and he was winded, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't go in the next drive. But Trey Mason, he didn't have that problem. We were running the hurry up. Carry on. Trey Mason was so different. Bro. Like, was, I just don't really think. Like, I don't I, think it's fair to compare. The tragedy, yeah. the tragedy that Trey Mason was in the NFL is mind-boggling to me because athletically, Trey Mason was just so different. Sturdy man. Yeah, man. Like, I just did like the amount of of reps he could take back to back in games and not look winded and not get hurt consistently is just insane. Bro. Like, oh man. Yeah, man, Trey Mason, wherever you are, man, God yeah. bless you, bro. I hope you um, are doing well with your life, man. I, I wanted to see him do well in the NFL, so I, 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 I don't know what he's doing with himself right now, but God bless you, bro. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm getting Continue. all off. I'm, I'm sorry. I keep every time I look back through our our prospect and recruiting history, it kind of makes me sad, man. But as a fan base, I think because we've seen teams around us go five star. Look at that um, eleven win season, but. It's not just one dude. And that's the thing I think people don't get. There are freaks who are going to be freaks no matter where they go. Alabama's going to get a lot of credit for turning out NFL players. If you come in as one of the top five scouted guys ever at your position, 
It doesn't matter if you went to Alabama or Cal or Kentucky or Ohio State. You were going to likelihood as far as how statistically it's worked out. You were going to go to the NFL and dominate because you were that dude. Remind me to come back to that point when we get to our second topic. Somehow y'all remind me what B. Will just said. When we get to our second topic, I want to talk about that very thing you just said. Okay. Remind I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to remember because I'll be, I'll be talking a lot and I'll be forgetting. Um, so when they, oh, yeah, they got, but they're not developing. Every, everybody that's in there isn't better because they went to Alabama. In a lot of cases, Alabama's better because those guys went there. Auburn, we get some of those guys too. Derek Brown was going to be Derek Brown wherever he went. I believe that 100%. We are better for having had Derrick Brown here. I'm sure he had a positive connection with Coach Gardner and Coach Steele. Those were his guys. Those are the guys that recruited him, that he played under, that he played for. Derrick Brown was going to be Derrick Brown no matter where he went. I'm glad that we got him because he was one of the guys who he's going to make your team better. Carl Lawson. It didn't matter where Carl Lawson went. Carl Lawson was going to be Carl Lawson. He was going to be look like two dudes smashed into one. Physically, no matter where he went to go play football, he was going to make any program he played for better. Those type of prospects are the prospects that we have not been getting here. We have been recruiting people who need development, who need to learn the game, who need to mentally be prepared to get better and be committed to improving their skills and their physical uh, abilities in order to be the best football players they can be. Which, don't get me wrong, Carl Lawson and Derrick Brown had to do that too, but their ceiling was so much higher that if they did some of that, they were going to be awesome, and they were. So, if we're going to get down about not getting one five-star guy, I want people to understand that that one five-star guy that we missed out on was not going to change the tide, our fortunes here at Auburn. If it's not a Cam Newton, like that's, very rarely is there one guy who's going to be so good that he's going to change the fortune of the entire team. And it almost always has to be from the quarterback position. He can cover a multitude of sins from the quarterback position. Deshaun Watson was another guy that comes to mind. Um, Clemson had done well to hit on Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence within five years of each other. Because otherwise, I don't think Clemson would have won two ships. It was Watson... The, the Watson era, that was Watson. Clemson's rise was Deshaun Watson. I don't think they do it with anybody else. They got Kelly Bryant in there and plugged him in. Yes, Clemson's defense was very good. They had uh, skills. They had good That's players in the skill positions. That's another thing you got to point out that was going on that, that, that as well. Right. right. Their defense, so they, they kind of did what we we're, were hoping to do was, all right, our defense— is going to be just as good, but they had had a national championship season, so they had done better recruiting and maintained the quality of that defense, but they got skunked what, by Alabama what, in 2016. What What was so impressive about, not to cut you off, B, what was good. so impressive about what Clemson was able to do year after year is that if you followed Clemson early in the season, their offense wasn't good. Right. Yeah. Their defense was keeping them in games such that to when you got to the end of the season, the offense started clicking. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to score points. But if you caught Clemson early in the season, you would have been able to get them. Like, they would yeah. struggle mightily. Like, that's how they lost to Syracuse that one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they lost to Pitt, Pitt. They lost to Pitt at home at Clemson yeah. the year they won the national championship. All right. It wasn't because they weren't awesome. They just, they're not who they're gonna, they were going to be later. They, they kind of warmed into their seasons. But yeah. Watson was the one prospect 
who come, and it's not that they didn't have other guys, but no, nobody put you over the top like Watson. Nobody would be as accurate, as consistent, um, had a good judge of when to run and when to pass, was accurate when he did pass, took a beating in that championship game that he won against Bama. Um, when honestly somebody should have got thrown out for how they hit him in the head, but he just came back and, and, and made it happen. And that type of prospect can do it. That's one way one prospect can affect your team. If it's not like that, you need like six, seven of those type of prospects, whether they're five stars or high fours or whatever they are. We are not in a position with where we are right now. We need to prove it on the field before those type of prospects are going to give us a serious look. We have to show something for the players that we are recruiting at their respective positions to say, you know what you are doing with insert this guy's position. And I believe that you can give me the best opportunity to play at the next level. Yes, who the coaches are is going to play a factor. Yes, NIL is now going to play a factor. But more than anything else, if these players believe that I am going to have my best shot to not only be great in college, but great at the next level because I'm going to your school the tide will start turning on the type of prospects that we can get to commit here. Not interested when they leave for the weekend, not saying and making the top three or top four of the recruits a list, actual signing pen to paper on signing day, getting those guys to come to Auburn changes once we can show on the field that these players are thriving here and at the next level. That's what changes you. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Bringing it back to the the QB prospect that we talked about is Brock Glenn's that's name. Mm-hmm. Brock Glenn. Whether this guy comes here or not, at at this point, if he decides to come here over other positions, it will be because he's selling what Harson, uh, he's buying what Harson is selling as far as opportunity and potential and work and development. Because who he has in front of him is one guy who already bought that story from Harson and looks to be that developmental guy. Because um, I mean, honestly, three guys. That bought that story. Well, I'm I'm saying this because each one of the guys, well, no, no, I can't say that about him. Zach Calzada, the best case for him. I'm going about what is the best case. So if these guys come here, I'm sure they envision the best possible scenario happening for themselves, whether it's realistic or not. For Zach Calzada, that means I am draft eligible right now. I have to have one year with an offensive coordinator and a coach who understand my skill set and what I need to thrive. They can look and say, listen, man, you see how that offensive line let you down last year? We were better than that last year, and we're going to be even better this year. A running back room that is going to support you because our running game is going to be better. Okay, so you've got a better line. You've got a better running back situation, perhaps. Now, what about the wideouts? Like I said, we're working on it, but we know what you need to work on, and we're going to be coaching these wideouts to help fill in the gaps with what your your strengths or what needs to be strengthened in your game. I see why he bought that pitch. I see why he would come here. And I can also envision where he said one year, if all this comes together, I'm in the NFL. That's possible. It's not impossible. It's possible for him. 
he's out of the picture. In his mind, he's out of the picture in one year. We talked about how uh, after the interview, it's like he's he's focused on making this a phenomenal season for himself. And I'm sure yeah. he's like, yeah, and I'm out of here. Now, Finley, Robbie, they have a different, there's something different in state because Finley has used two years of eligibility. And at this point, he's got two more. At most, he's got two more years, so he will be here through the, 20, the end of the 2023 season unless he chose to transfer. So depending on how this goes, if, if the best-case scenario happens for Zach Calzada, then that means it can't happen for TJ Finley because that year where he would need to show something he's never shown before and become a likely draft prospect, that would be this year as well. It can't happen for both guys. It can't. It's impossible for both of these guys to have the type of seasons that puts them on NFL draft uh, scouts' radar and drafted in a position that makes sense for them to not come back to school, which means top three rounds. Top three round draft grade, you go any lower than that, you don't. It can't happen for both guys. So, Robbie Ashford, he has technically used no years of eligibility. He redshirted one year. 2020 would have been his redshirt freshman year, but... It's um, COVID year. Yeah, or however we want to do that math. He's only, He's been in college for two years now, but mm-hmm. one of those was 2020, so he technically has four years of eligibility left. To me... You got to look at Holden Gariner and Robbie Ashford are a one-two. No matter how Finley and Calzada works his, works out, Robbie Ashford and Holden Gariner are two guys with four years of eligibility right now. Holden Gariner probably won't see the field this year, so he'll probably have four years of eligibility starting with, with the 2023 season. So if I'm right. Brock Glenn, I go, all right, you got one guy, Robbie Ashford, who's going to have at least three years ahead of me. If he ends up being the guy, then I won't see the, the field until, well, if at he plays really years. well, at least two years, at least right. two years. So I don't see the f- the field until, like I said, my red shirt sophomore year, if Robbie Ashford is the guy. If he's not the guy and Holden Garrett is the guy, well, you know what? Now I won't see the field until my red shirt junior Two, year. maybe three years. Maybe three years. Right. So if Brock Glenn decides to come here, that means he. it has to be the belief that Brian Harson can design an offense and coach a quarterback into a professional NFL prospect and nothing else. Because we've got two guys right now who would push his playing time two years down the road past when he signs. Which means you're not going to sniff the field, barring serious injury. Until 2020 or or transfer, five. right? Like you still have the option that one of those guys right. transfers out. But you, that's the belief that you have to hold to. I either right. have to be able to be willing to wait my turn for two to three years. Right. I'm going to beat somebody out who will transfer out or there's going to be an injury ahead of me. Which, again, Good none man, of those man. are impossible prospects. Right. Yeah. It's just that that's the bet that Brock Glenn is taking today. Right. And right. that's hard to convince a kid who feels like I can go start anywhere in the country next year. Right. Now, that means right. it has to be a connection he has to the coaches. That means it has to have one thing we've heard from every prospect, and we're hearing from a lot of prospects' parents, is Brian Harson has a plan. We've heard that from people we've talked to who are already on the team. We've heard that from people from recruits when they're getting interviewed later. We've heard that from, um, you know, privately with the people we talked with parents. He's got a plan. He People like what Brian Harson is selling, but it has to come to fruition for us to be able to continue 
to make a push and further our recruiting efforts from interest to actual signing. If Brock Glenn buys it, he'll be here. If he doesn't buy it, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. And I don't again, blame I, him. I, that's, I guess that's where I land on it. Like, that's why I'm not going to be on the panic button because I could not, if I were a quarterback recruit that was looking to go somewhere, I wouldn't blame him for saying, I don't, I don't see myself starting there in the next couple of years, regardless of how I feel about my ability. It's a, that's, a, that's a pretty uphill battle that I've got right. to climb to get into the starting position. Mm. And... That just means so if if people are cl- clamoring for that, you can pretty much guarantee you just push either Robbie Ashford or Holden Garner into the transfer portal. Uh, and 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 I, and I think to to put a bow on this conversation, but I, I think everyone's not going to be a Mac Jones, right? Yeah, right. If you have that talent and ability, you you're you're being especially when you consider who's who's courting you. In, in 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 the recruit in your recruitment, if you believe you're that good, then I can go see, to like Ohio Mac State. Jones, but see, that's the thing about Mac Jones; he was a three star. It wasn't yeah. like Mac Mac Jones was a four, a high four star, five sure. star recruit right. that sure. was sitting there waiting. He was a three star that was taking a bet that I'm going to work my way into a starting job, and that is actually a better scenario for building a sustainable quarterback room is you stack it with three stars that develop into five-star caliber guys because they have the talent. If you're you're recruiting a bunch of four stars, then you're likely in a position where you're Lincoln Riley, right? Where you are basically changing over quarterbacks every season because the guy that you brought in is a transfer and he's about to go out and you bring in another transfer then you need a four four or five star to replace him so he can be ready to start year two Mm -hmm. you're in that kind of position likely but my but my point is even with that ike you have to show this year that if zach calzada's the guy let's say he's the guy needs to be in the nfl in other words, you need to show that, hey, we can bring a guy in and get results out of him. Make meaning if you choose to come in and work hard and wait your time your turn, best believe it'll be worth it because look right. what happened to this guy ahead of you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you have to be. But but again, the problem with making that assumption today is none of those kids have seen it on the field. Right, right. Somebody from that quarterback room from Auburn's got to make it to the NFL right. before these right. four stars are going to believe that I can be the right. next Bryce Young right. who's going to sit out my freshman year, get an opportunity my sophomore year, go kill it for two years, and then go to the league. Or I can be the next Mac Jones who sits for two years and then comes in for a year and a half, essentially, mm-hmm. or a year and a couple of games, right. goes to the NFL. You have to see the results on the field. Nobody's buying that until you're winning football games or you're putting guys in the league. Right, right. Because, again, winning is not like – I understand winning is a portion of it. Success at my position is actually the, the, right. the remedy because right. Oklahoma ain't win nothing. I mean, they've won games, don't True. get me wrong, but they right. have zero titles to show for it, mm-hmm. and people swear – that that man is a quarterback factory now My. in yeah now in USC, um, <laughs> you know same thing with Lane Kiffin. How many titles as a head football coach has Lane Kiffin won? I, I'll give him okay. I'll give Lane a little a little. My, my point is that room. winning 
is not the prerequisite it's not. for quarterbacks wanting to play for you. Right. It's, it's showing it's proficiency at right. It's productivity at my yeah. position. That's the prerequisite. So that, that, that's why we've, we've got to put a competent pass. We got to right. put a competent pass offense out there. Really. Yeah. Like, that's all. That's we can score sixty points a game next year and lose every game. I guarantee you, we land a five star quarterback the next season because they're like, oh, but they slinging that bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 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 And to your right. point, see, that's why we can get we we're gonna be in it for really good cornerbacks. Why we've been putting them in the league. We're going to be in yeah. it for great yeah. running backs. This kid, Cobb, that we're in it for. We ain't been winning. We, yeah. Listen, man, look, we ain't won nothing, but we got Tank. We weren't doing great before we got, well, I guess we had beat Bama the year before we got Tank. But he but went I mean, here over we, Georgia. We, we've, had, we've had running backs that have had some success. Yeah. Running back hasn't been a problem. Cornerback right. hasn't been a problem. Defensive line, honestly, has not been a problem. Right. We've right. put guys in the league at those positions. It's offensive line. It's quarterback. It's wide, wide receiver. receiver. Right. You just, linebacker, we've had a couple of linebackers with some success. It hasn't been like highly touted, but they've been to the league, right? right? So the defensive side of the ball, no problem. You know, the tight end position almost didn't exist at Auburn right. up until the last couple of years. So right. tight end is about to be one of those positions, mm-hmm. but we haven't had any stellar wide receiver since t- 2000. I don't even know, bro. Like when is like we had wide receivers go to the league. Don't get me wrong. Sammy Coates went to the league. Um, right. uh, Ricardo the league. Lewis went to the league. Like we've had guys go to the league. I'm talking Slayton. about guys that came in highly touted mm-hmm. and then came to college and did their thing as well. You don't see that at Auburn just because we have not been a proficient passing offense. Right. Until you start to see that kind of proficiency in the passing offense, you're going to continue to see us lose out on recruits in those positions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you're going to have to prove it with three stars. Yep. Maybe an occasion, occasional four star. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to randomly land a five star because your coach and your recruiting has a silver tongue unless you really ready to shell out some dollars. And nine times out of a ten, a recruit that doesn't care about any of that stuff and just is coming there because of the bread will end up in some sort of disciplinary issue. Right, right. Nine times out of ten. I'm not saying it's every time. Right. But it's not always just a bidding war. Right. 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 Because everybody got bread. Let's be let's be real. Everybody's got like, unless you're losing recruits to Podunk to Troy, then it wasn't a everybody in the SEC got money. Right. Well none of these schools are hurting for money for real. Vanderbilt. Well, they got money. It's not for football, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm yeah, not sure about the Mississippi schools. From how Lane Kiffin's been whining since NIL has started, it lets me know that's some broke. I mean, talk. they they don't have this now. There are varying levels of money. I'm yeah. just yeah. saying they can pony up for enough one big for recruit. this one kid you want. Right. Yes, right. yeah, yeah. We can um, pony up for one big recruit, no problem. Yeah, that's gonna be it. Everybody else gonna be eating crumb, but yeah, you. Well, <laughs> come on, we got you. Yeah. You are now now listening listening to to 